I just want to say that you have got to be the most insipid, ridiculously idiotic, moronic person I've ever heard on any form of media. Exiled by society, friends, lovers, and terrestrial radio. A guy with literally nothing left to lose. For 15 years, he's been telling it like it is. This is the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. making a smooth transition right into old man. It's happening right before your eyes. I just wake up with random aches and pains now. Is that what happens? Right, You, you turn 35 and then it just... Your body just starts to go downhill from there because I, I don't remember this ever happening. But now... I woke up this morning and I'm... Walking around my kitchen, I'm getting ready to put on some coffee, which I still haven't had any yet. It's brewing as I'm doing this first segment of the show. Believe me, between segments, I'm going to get up, have some coffee, have some... I don't know. I try to do something because I'm walking around my kitchen. I'm getting ready to make the coffee, and I feel this pinch in the back of my left knee. And... It's just kind of randomly happening, and I'm trying to figure it out, and I, I'm feeling around on the back of my leg, and I'm like, I don't feel anything. I don't feel a bite. I don't feel any bleeding. There's nothing. I don't think a bug bit me. There's nothing sticking out of the back of my leg, but it's in this one very, it's very isolated spot, and when I move my leg a certain way, it's just happening, and I'm thinking, I must have had some kind of wild dream or tweaked something in my leg. Or something bit me and it didn't really leave much of a mark. Maybe I'm going to die. I really don't know. So I, these are things I'm thinking about now. And I'm like, man, I just... I'm like that old guy that just wakes up. Another aching pain. I tell you, when the back of my leg starts hurting like this, it means the barometer must be, must be getting set for a storm. It's fixing to rain. Well, sure enough. A few hours ago, we had some thunder. Had some rain. Woke me up this morning, actually. Lightning and thunder. Beautiful thing this morning. I, I, I woke up in the middle of the night. I fell back to sleep for just a, a brief period. And then uh, the thunder and lightning uh, woke me back up. And it was glorious. I had the doors open. Nice breeze blowing through. It was absolutely perfect outside. I went outside. Just stood out in it for a little while. Which is, I, I love to do that. But then... Yeah, I started to feel this thing on the back of my leg. I come back in. I'm like, I'm going to put some coffee on. I'm going to sit down. going to do a, uh, going to get this show out of the way, crank this out because I have a lot of stuff I want to talk about. And this thing is like just there. It's pinging me. And yeah, this happens to me a lot. I have these random things. I will be walking around the house or I'll be out someplace. And one of my friends will say to me, um, Mike, you've got blood uh, coming out of your arm there. What's going on? And I won't even realize that I cut myself or I injured myself in some way or I did something or I nicked myself while shaving. I won't even realize it because my pain tolerance, I just have this ridiculously high pain tolerance. So I don't even know that I'm, uh, Mike, did 
were you always missing one of your fingers? Uh, no. I, oh, that's weird. When did that happen? Uh, I better go back and see where it fell off. Maybe get that thing reattached. This happens to me all the time. So, But this time, I at least I didn't leave a trail of blood throughout my house. It didn't look like a murder scene. Uh, that happened probably last year. It looked like a murder scene in my house. And one of my friends came over and said, you, you're, you've got blood all over the place in here, dude. I'm like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> what did you do? And I looked down and I'm like, oh, yeah, look, I, I cut my foot. Huh. I had no idea. I really didn't. I didn't feel a damn thing. So who knows? It's um, just another one of those random aches and pains. I just better take my ibuprofen. I'll take my, my joint riders. I've got severe arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis, you wouldn't understand what it's like to get old. I'll tell you what. So anyway, um, man, a lot to talk about, uh, aside from just old age setting in at 37. So 37 years, 10 months, and 20 days, I believe, is how old I am, right? I don't know. Or Yeah, it's uh, anyway, whatever. Who cares? It's uh, Thursday, by the way. Welcome into Thursday, October the 29th, 2015, and that is where we are at with this delightful uh, edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Groffshow at gmail.com is our email address. It's groffshow at gmail.com. That's also our PayPal address. You can donate to this program, groffshow at gmail.com. Please make your generous donations. We're looking to make some upgrades and all that sort of thing. Uh, what else here? Uh, Michael Groff on Twitter, and I uh, tweeted out last night about the debate. I was going to live tweet. I was going to tweet a bunch of things. I had a lot of stuff in my mind, but then I just sort of sat here, and I was just bewildered and befuddled by that whole thing, which I, I just can't wait to get into. And then michaelgroff.com for everything else that's Michael Groff related. So last night I sat here and I said, all right, I've got to watch this Republican debate. First of all, I can't even find... CNBC on my cable service okay I don't even know what channel it is anymore I I was gonna go hunting for it and I was like you know what I know this thing's on the radio I'm just gonna put it on the radio and listen to it there Uh, I'll put it on the radio I'll make some dinner I'll sit down I'll eat I'll try to digest food while listening to this debate because that's gonna be a very hard thing to do to withstand Mike Huckabee and Ted Cruz and Jeb Bush and all the BS that's thrown out there by the GOP. So that was my thought. I was like, well, I'll try to digest food while listening to the GOP. Turns out the GOP wasn't really the problem. It was the damn debate and the moderators themselves that was the real issue. The tone was set right away at the very beginning of this fiasco when you had a one of the moderators, and I don't know any of these guys on NBC. I think one of them is Carl Quintanilla, Quintanilla um, who was Becky Quick is another one. And then I think it was uh, uh, John Haywood or Harwood, Harwood, I think, John Harwood. And then there was a few other random people that asked a couple of questions like that, uh, that Jim Cramer, the mad money guy. I, I, I haven't seen him in years. I did... I remember I just read a story actually about Jim Cramer the other day. I just want to, as a brief aside, he gave out a bunch of stock tips at the beginning of the year. These are like the 49 stocks you have to watch. And basically all of them wound up to tank. So you have to take everything that you see on CNBC with a grain of salt because they don't really know what they're talking about. 
This debate, I just want to point out before we go any further, this debate last night was supposed to be about the economy because CNBC is, I think their slogan is something like your money, your vote or your money, your something or other. I don't know. They're, they're all about money. That's what they they focus on is the financial news. So this debate was going to center on economic issues. The opening question that they asked Donald Trump is, do you see yourself as a comic book villain or something like that? Talking about a comic book presidency. And I'm like, this is your opening salvo. This is the most important question. The opening question you want to present to the candidate that currently has the lead on the Republican side, and you're going to ask him about what if he's a comic book character. Really? That's the best you can do? And maybe I was thinking to myself, maybe this is just their way of lightening the mood, really trying to just loosen everybody up, get into it. No, this was generally the tone of the entire night. Moderators attempting to either ask just silly questions, divisive questions, or actually asking questions to deliberately get the candidates to mix it up with one another. And I understand it's a debate and they should debate the issues. But to ask, I, I think at one point they asked Mike Huckabee if Donald Trump is a, is a good moral leader. Basically, that was the essence of the question. And Mike Huckabee wasn't even going to bite on it, which I have to say, as despicable as I find Mike Huckabee to, to be, uh, I was very impressed with the fact that not only did he not bite on it, he made a nice joke about it. He had a one a little zinger, a little one-liner, and that was that. And when candidates did mix it up with one another, it was genuine. It wasn't something that was stirred up necessarily by the moderators. It was stirred up by the candidates themselves. It was more authentic and genuine like the other two debates, and that's how these things should be. Yes, they should debate each other. Yes, they should maybe go after each other on the issues. But to try to get them to go after each other in a more personal way, which is what CNBC obviously try to do because they're a fledgling network. No one really cares about them. Hardly anybody watches them as the ratings indicate. And nobody knows who any of those people are on there. I get it. You want to try and attract attention. But you did it in such a way that even the candidates, even the crowd that was in attendance in Colorado last night, Everybody knew what you were trying to do. Nobody was interested in it. The crowd booed the moderators. That's how bad it was last night. So it was from from the word go it was an out. It was just an outrage. It was terrible. Um, so here's a couple of clips that I have uh, pulled here from this as well. So at one point they ask Ted Cruz, I think about the debt limit or whatever. And he's heard enough of the ridiculous questions, and he just wants to use his time to really tell everyone that this this needs to be about substance and serious issues, and that's what this debate really needs to be about. And here's here's a little bit uh, of that. Senator Cruz, congressional Republicans, Democrats, and the White House are about to strike a compromise that would raise the debt limit, prevent a government shutdown, and calm financial markets that fear of another Washington-created crisis is on the way. Does your opposition to it show that you're not the kind of problem solver American voters want? You know, let me say something at the outset. The questions that have been asked so far in this debate illustrate why the American people don't trust the media. This is not a cage match. 
And you look at the questions. Donald Trump, are you a comic book villain? Ben Carson, can you do math? John Kasich, will you insult two people over here? Marco Rubio, why don't you resign? Jeb Bush, why have your numbers fallen? How about talking about the substantive issues people care about? So that, that got a pretty... Uh... I'm not finished yet. The contrast with the Democratic debate, where every fawning question from the media was, which of you is more handsome and wise? <laughs> so this is and the let question me be about clear. the dead limit, which you, you have 30 seconds left to answer, should you choose to do so. <coughs> let me be clear. The men and women on this stage have more ideas, more experience, more common sense than every participant in the Democratic debate that debate reflected a debate between the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks. <laughs> and nobody watching at home believes that any of the moderators has any intention of voting in a Republican primary. The questions that are being asked shouldn't be trying to get people to tear into each other. It should be, what are your substantive okay, solutions okay, okay. to people who I, I, I just want the record to reflect. Guys, I asked you about the dead limit, and on. I got no answer. I, okay, all right, you, want, you want to answer that question? I'm happy to answer the question. I'm happy to answer the question, but let me tell you how the question is. Let me tell you how that question is. Let me tell you how that question is. Senator Paul, I've got a question for you on the same subject. So you don't actually want to hear the answer, John? Senator Paul. You don't want to hear the answer. You just want to use the insult. You used your time on something else. Senator Paul. You're not interested in an answer, John. To, to I'm interested a deal. in an answer My from Senator Paul. Senator wow. Paul, the budget deal captured by Speaker Boehner. What an absolute train wreck this was. The moderators had no control. This was obviously the first time they've ever tried to tackle any sort of issue and try to run a debate. It was very clear they didn't know what they were doing. They asked terrible questions. The candidates called them out. The audience booed them. And as if that wasn't bad enough, then. It uh, it got worse. It got worse. Because then, I think her name is Becky Quick. Ask Donald Trump about a comment he made about Marco Rubio. Again, they kept trying to stir it up. And kept trying to mix everything up. And Donald Trump just said, you're wrong. You don't even have your facts right. And this is another situation where moderators, if you're going to ask a question about something a candidate said, at least either get the quote right or if... If you're called out and said that you're wrong, have your source material handy, have it right in front of you so that you can reference when and where the candidate said something. Or you cannot do that, and then the exchange sounds exactly like Mr. this. Mr. Trump, let's stay on this issue of immigration. Um, you have been very critical of Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, who has wanted to increase the number of these H-1B. I was not at all critical of him. I was not at all. In fact, frankly, he's complaining about the fact that we're losing some of the most talented people. They go to Harvard, they go to Yale, they go to Princeton, they come from another country, and they're immediately sent out. Mm -hmm. I am all in favor of keeping these talented people here so they can go to work in Silicon Valley. So you're so in favor I of increasing not been them. at all critical of him. Uh, where did I read this and come up with this that you were... Probably, I don't know, you, you people write this stuff. I don't know where you... <laughs> There you go. There you go. You just got owned, Becky Quick. Sit down. Just shut up. Stop. That right there says it all. Where did I read this? This is how not to run a debate. If you sit there and go, where did I read this? Social media blew up at this. Everyone on social media was like, this is just a joke, right? 
this is almost like a Saturday Night Live sketch. I really expected to see everybody out there. Um, I don't know. I don't know who does all these impressions on Saturday Night Live. My brother is big into that. He talks about this stuff all the time. I should have him on to talk about this stuff. But um, it, this would be a great sketch. I don't know. The Onion is probably going to do something about it. If Literally, if The Onion came out with a video that was like this, or if Saturday Night Live did it, it would look exactly like this. That's how bad it was. Oh, well, this continues. Let me just continue with this clip. If I could say, and if I could say just one thing. Yeah. I am the only person in either campaign that's self-funding. I'm putting up 100% of my own money. And right now, I will be putting up a tremendous... So far, I put up less than anybody, and I have the best results. Wouldn't that be nice if the country could do that? But I will be putting... I will be putting up, you know, tremendous amounts of money. Super PACs are a disaster. They're a scam. They cause dishonesty. And you better get rid of them because they are causing a lot of bad decisions to be made by some very good people. And I'm not blaming these folks, but I guess I could. <laughs> very good people are making very bad decisions right now. And if anything comes out of this whole thing with some of these nasty and ridiculous questions, I will tell you, you better get rid of the super PACs because they're causing a big problem with this country. Not only in dishonesty and what's going on, but also in a lot of bad decisions that are being made for the benefit of lobbyists and special interests. Becky. You, you know, Mr. You know, Mr. Trump, if, if, if I may, if I may just, just say, just a minute, you have been, you had talked a little bit about uh, Marco Rubio, Rubio. I think you called him uh, Mark Zuckerberg's personal senator because he was in favor of the H-1B. I never said pieces. that. I never said so that. So this was a, an erroneous article the whole way He's around? He's got another gentleman in Florida who happens to be a very nice guy, but not... My Mark. apologies. I'm sorry. Everybody's really doing some bad facts. Since I've been mentioned, can I respond? Yes, I mean, yes, you, okay. you know, the Democrats have the ultimate super PAC. It's called the mainstream media. Whoever's single day. There you go. And I'll tell you that, that's the line of the night right there. Clinton went Obviously, Marco Rubio did fairly well last night. The polls indicate that he did fairly well. I know Donald Trump is still going to have his lead and Ben Carson still has his followers. But I think Marco Rubio really made quite an impression, especially with that line. Ted Cruz really calling out the moderators. I'll say this, uh, people that were floundering a bit, the Cruz and the Rubios and those guys, really made some headway last night, I think, because of how bad this debate was run. They looked very good in the eyes of the people that thought, hey, these guys are, are calling out the BS that's here in front of them. They are handling themselves very well. They're giving good, concise answers, and they're still getting their jabs in. And they're very quick. They obviously brought the fire last night just a little bit. And that was huge. I thought that was incredible and uh, made a big difference. Now, again, let's be very clear about this. I have no intention of voting for any of these guys. I just, <laughs> the show was fantastic, though. Um, here's, do you want to hear more of this? Because there's even more examples of how terrible the fact-checking was the research and the questions that translated out of that happened to be. And here's another one directed at Ben Carson. More bad fact-checking. And Ben Carson calls out, I think this is Carl Quintanilla about this. Here we go. 
is a company called Manatech, a maker of nutritional supplements with which you had a 10-year relationship. They offered claims that they could cure autism, cancer. They paid $7 million to settle a deceptive marketing lawsuit in Texas. And yet your involvement continued. Why? Well, that's easy to answer. I didn't have an involvement with them. That is total propaganda. And this is what happens in our society, total propaganda. I did a couple of speeches for them. I did speeches for other people. They were paid speeches. It is absolutely absurd to say that I had any kind of a relationship with them. Do I take the product? Yes, I, I think it's a good product. Uh, to be fair, you were on the homepage of their website with the logo over your shoulder. If somebody put me on their homepage, they did it without my permission. Does that not speak to your vetting process or judgment in any way? No, it speaks to the fact that I don't know that it's going on. There you go. <laughs> the crowd booing. See, <laughs> they know. <laughs> Apparently, we will take a break. We'll be back from Boulder in just a minute. There you go. That was uh, the big debate last night. Some highlights there. Um... I think that's about, oh, here's, yeah, here's, here's the question about Trump's morals. I wanted to get this one into. So at one point they ask if, they ask Mike Huckabee if Donald Trump is a good moral leader. This is the, another one of their attempts to try and get the candidates to square off with one another. Here's a little bit of that. Governor experience. Huckabee, you've written about the huge divide in values between middle America and the big coastal cities like New York and Los Angeles. As a preacher as well as a politician, you know that presidents need the moral authority to bring the entire country together. The leading Republican candidate, when you look at the average of national polls right now, is Donald Trump. When you look at him, do you see someone with the moral authority to unite the country? <laughs> There's few questions I've got. The last one I need is to give... And Marco Rubio, you can hear him saying in there at one point, this is unreal. It's unreal. There's few questions I've got. The last one I need is to give him some more time. <laughs> I love Donald Trump. He is a good man. I'm wearing a Trump tie tonight. Get over that one, okay? <laughs> Wait a second. Now, is that made in Mexico? I don't know. Is it made? Is it made in, made in China? China or Mexico? I have no made idea. Again. That is, China or Mexico? Way, such a nasty, such a nasty question. But thank you, Governor. You're welcome. <laughs> Let me tell you, Donald Trump would be a better president every day of the week and twice on Sunday rather than Hillary. As much as I don't like Mike Huckabee, I have to say that was a pretty quick-witted answer, a pretty good answer. And you can hear the moderators trying to take swipes at, oh, is that made in Mexico? Is that? It's so obvious that these moderators, just, they didn't like any of these guys. They didn't really have a lot of respect for any of the candidates up there. Uh, at one point, Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio did get into it. And I'll tell you what, there's winners and losers from last night. And that's really what everybody wants to talk about. And I'll tell you, the big loser was CNBC and the moderators. That was the biggest loser of the night. Clearly, the audience thought so. The candidates thought so. Didn't matter if you were on the left or the right. Uh, I've read several news sites last night and this morning that are both left and right leaning and, and editorials from both sides and people in the middle and all over the place that unanimously agree that that was the worst debate. And I will tell you in my life, and I can think back to debates even all the way back into the mid or late 80s, I have never seen a debate more poorly run, more poorly constructed, uh, with worse questions and just a, an overall worse structure. And I'm telling you, some of those debates in late 2011 between the Republican candidates were not especially well-constructed either. But this was maybe 
the singular worst debate I have ever seen. And that was just, and it had nothing to do with the candidates. So that was the biggest loser of the night. The other was uh, Jeb Bush. And after his spat with Marco Rubio, and he tried to imply that Marco Rubio wasn't doing his job and he wasn't showing up for work enough. And Marco Rubio put him in his place so fast. And Jeb Bush also tried to get into it with Donald Trump, and that didn't go over very well. So Jeb Bush really looked weak. He looked tired. He did not. He was not quick on his feet. So he looked very bad last night. Uh, and I think that it's pretty much going to be the nail in the coffin for the Jeb Bush campaign very quickly. I don't think he had much of a legitimate chance. My brother, on the other hand, really thought that Jeb Bush, we were talking about this over the summer and just as recently as last weekend, he really thought that Jeb Bush was ultimately going to be the guy that came out of this. And I thought, you know, there's certainly a possibility of that. But the more Jeb talks, the less people seem to like him. And the more he tries to mix it up, and I think his strategy last night or somebody got a hold of him and said, you need to really mix it up with these guys. You really need to make a big impact in this debate. And I think he really tried that, and it just did nothing but backfire on him because Jeb Bush just doesn't have the ability to mix it up with people. So that's why that blew up in his face. Uh, so he was a big loser last night. I think Rand Paul was a big loser last night, unfortunately, uh, for, the, for the Tea Party people out there. Uh, you know, Rand Paul was a guy, and we've talked about this on the show, that he was a rising star in the Republican Party or the Tea Party and among uh, libertarians and whatnot, he was a guy that just a year ago, Time Magazine wrote a whole article about him. Uh, he was featured all over the place. He was considered sort of the the next very likely candidate on the Republican side to run in 2016, and it looked like things were slowly being set up. He had the backing of Mitch McConnell, and it looked very, very likely that he was going to be uh, in on the Republican side, and um, people really liked what he had to say about getting out of Iraq and Afghanistan, and they liked his economic policies and his uh, his legalization of marijuana, his ending of the war on drugs, and all this other stuff, and these libertarian notions. And then suddenly, since the middle part of this year, since maybe April, May, June, his numbers have just consistently been dropping, and he is now just at about 1% or 2%. And so he did not make a very good showing last night. He really lacked the fire and the passion, again, that you kind of need. He didn't really bring it. Uh, he was trying to be substantive, and certainly he wasn't taking many shots from the moderators. They just sort of ignored him. Everyone pretty much ignored him last night, uh, for the most part. So he did not have a good showing. Uh, John Cassick was probably the worst of all of them, though. He had about the worst night. He just came across, and he did it to himself. Jeb did too, but uh, John Cassick, all that guy ever talks about is Ohio, and he yelled at the American voters. He just came across as this angry, old, embittered man, and it showed uh, volumes last night, and he just really had, <laughs> he had nothing to really contribute I know he tried to, I think he tried to get a stab in at Donald Trump. That blew up in his face. So he, uh, I think, is going to be another guy that drops out very, very soon. Uh, the writing is clearly on the wall for him. And that's that's pretty much it. And then, and then just some other random observations. 
I don't know what Carly Fiorina is doing, but she can barely talk with all the Botox injection in her face. I'm sorry. Uh, somebody had to say it. I understand that maybe you're a woman and you want to be taken seriously, but maybe you could do with less Botox because it's when she talks, it's almost impossible for her to talk because it's a Botox. It's like her mouth barely moves when she talks. It is unbelievable, this Carly Fiorina. She just, she cannot even articulate herself uh, because. Because her face is pulled so tight. I was like, this is kind of like watching Joan Rivers try to talk at some point. If she had a raspier voice, um, if her face was pulled back a little further like a cat, like Joan Rivers, I would have thought for sure I was watching Joan Rivers. Donald Trump was bright orange. Uh, I, don't, I, had to, I thought I was just had to adjust the monitor when I'm looking at the clips this morning. No, Donald Trump is orange. That is not a natural color for a human being. You know, you can make comments about his hair and the, with that weirdness, but no, a, a human is not should not be bright orange. John Cassidy should not sweat that much. No human being should be producing that much perspiration. That was that's been a, a running theme the past several debates. The guy did he looked <laughs> well. He had so much steam coming off of him because the guy is so pissed off. He is so. Per- Actually angry. I couldn't fathom what was going on there. That's just some other random stuff. I know that that doesn't necessarily matter, but I got to tell you, I know with the voters, I know people people look at that stuff too. People don't want to see a Botoxed up chick and an orange guy. Who are you going to vote for? The orange guy or the, or, the, or the chick whose mouth can't move? Or the sweaty guy? So there's... There's that as well going on. So that was the Republican debate last night. And not only was I trying to make dinner and listening to the debate and having a conversation with my brother, then I'm also trying to watch the World Series. I have the World Series on on the TV. And that World Series, that was uh, that was not the most exciting game I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it was interesting to see Johnny Cueto finally have a, a really good game. And it was great to see the Royals go up two games to none in the World Series. And I, I did predict the Mets would win the series, though I was rooting for the Royals. But, I mean, objectively speaking, I thought the Mets had the better pitching in this series. A lot of pitchers that are swing and miss kind of guys. And I thought the Royals would, you know, the, the Royals are a good contact hitting team. But I, I really thought that this would be... Uh, much closer, and it, I mean, it has been close, don't get me wrong, in the sense that that uh, game one went 14 innings, and it, it, the Mets had that game in the palm of their hand. They blew it. They had Familia on the mound in the ninth inning, and then Alex Gordon just hit that majestic home run to straightaway center. Uh, but last night, they just couldn't, the Mets couldn't do anything. They looked like the Mets that everyone was worried about back in June. They looked like that team. So now the series will shift back to New York for this weekend, uh, starting tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. I don't know. At the rate the Mets are playing right now, This it might not make it back to Kansas City. It might not. It might go to New York, and it might, it might be a four-game sweep or a five-game series. I don't know. Kansas City has brought it, and the Mets, last night, they just had no answer. 
And if Johnny Cueto is going to beat you, well, then you've got a problem. If Edinson Volquez and Johnny Cueto are going to be the guys that beat you in this series, that's going to be a big deal. Incidentally, Cincinnati, you know, you had both those guys on your roster at one point. What happened? Couldn't hang on to them, huh? Now there they are in the World Series, about to win it. The Royals, two victories away. And then we'll get to hear the always exciting Denny Matthews. I'm sure when he calls the final out and the Kansas City wins the World Series, I wonder what that's going to sound like. Somebody wrote in the other day and said, please, you have to do more of the Denny Matthews voice, the radio play-by-play voice of the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, you got he. Someone said, made the observation he sounds a little like a Richard Nixon impression. I, he, he does, Denny Matthews. And, uh, and so the Royals, here's, uh, <laughs> here's Alex Gordon. And Alex hits a high fly ball to straightaway center field. And he's going back to the track at the wall. It's gone. Walk off home run, and the Royals win the World Series. That's probably his exciting play-by-play call. That that'll probably be how he calls the. F- and he's got it. And the Royals win the World to Kansas City. You are world champions. Final score, three to two. He's. <laughs> That is the excitement of Denny Matthews, the most exciting radio play-by-play voice out there. I'm not saying you have to ham it up and get nuts with it. You don't have to do, you can't put it on the board. Yes, you don't have to do that. That ball hit hard. Stretch. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Back-to-back jacks. And it is 4-1. Mercy. 4-1, 4-1, good guys. You got to love Hawk Harrelson. <laughs> it's like, if the White Sox are behind, it's 5-3 bad guys. We're going to the bottom of the eighth. You know, he's like, <laughs> he just is such a homer. I'm not saying you have to be that, but come on. And the Royals have just won the World Series. Where's where's my, hold on, where's my Royals play-by-play? So the Royals one out away. One out away. Going to the playoffs. Going to the playoffs. It is a little bit of a weird Richard Nixon kind of. Going to the playoffs. Right-hander hitter. Right. Greg Holland brings it home. He brings it home. High pop-up. High pop-up. And the Royals win the World Series. All right, stay tuned for the post-game show. The most exciting radio game. Most exciting game in the history of baseball. All right, so I'm glad I'm glad at least one person, the the one person I've gotten feedback about that segment, the one person that wrote in did say he would love he'd like to hear more Eddie Math or Denny Matthews. Denny Denny Matthews, Richard Nixon, Cowboy Plate. <laughs> just make random noises. <laughs> I can just see Denny Matthews as he continues to age. He's going to do that probably until the day he dies, just like Vin Scully is going to be the Dodger voice. I thought Vin Scully was going to retire, but I guess he's just going to stick around and do Dodger games forever. Uh, Denny Matthews, I could just see this guy's like 100 years old. He's just sitting in a home someplace. Just making random sounds. 
So that's that's pretty much going to be how that goes down. All right, anyway, we've covered it all. The debate, the Royals up two games to none. What else is there really to talk about? We could go home at this point, right? This that's just the podcast. That's the that's the entire episode. What else is there? There's nothing, right? Well, you'll find out. Just keep listening, and if the show ends, then you'll know that we ran out of things, and that's it. Or maybe, maybe, there's more. A show coming from the Common Sense Party. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Discussing politics and discussing that not very exciting game two of the World Series last night. I know you don't. But I'm afraid the show is about to take a turn for the really, really creepy. Why? Because look who's back in the news again, Jared Fogle. Yeah, Jared from Subway. The guy who was investigated by the FBI earlier this year was involved with, well, he had child porn images allegedly on his computer, and he had, well, I mean, he pled guilty to a lot of this stuff, so we don't even really have to say allegedly anymore. He had sexual conversations. He he was involved in sexting with teenagers, and I don't mean 18-year-olds. I mean, like, 15-year-old kids, and he was... Uh, obviously very, very into kids sexually and all sorts of other creepy stuff that you already know about, so there's no need to even rehash all of it. Um, There's very few things that skeeve me out anymore. I am not really offended or shocked or uh, just blown away by very much, but I still just get hair that stands up in the back of my neck every time I hear somebody that's into going after kids sexually. It's just, and I don't mean somebody that hits on a 17-year-old. I'm talking about somebody that is doing little boys and girls, you know, 10 and 12-year-olds and younger and stuff. That's just creepy and so weird on so many levels, and it's impossible for me to understand the psyche behind that. So anyway, Jared Fogle, the news gets even more bizarre after everything else that's happened, and he's going to go to jail. It looks like his sentencing is uh, next month. He could do up to five years in jail. That's it. Five years in prison. Uh, 
But here's where it gets really strange. Recordings of Jared Fogle bragging about his attraction to children and the lengths that he would go to to satisfy it will air on the Dr. Phil show today and tomorrow. Ordinarily, I would never advocate anybody watch Dr. Phil. I can't stand him. I can't stand anything that's about Dr. Phil. Uh, But this might be the first time I would say I I might have to actually tune in just to hear this crap, uh, only because... It is so creepy, the stuff that he says. So you have to hear this story. Former journalist Rochelle Herman Walren says that she posed as Fogel's friend over the period of about four and a half years, wearing a wire and asking him about his predilections. Quote, I would fly us clear across the world if we need to, to Thailand or wherever we want to go. If we're going to try to get some young kids with us, it would be a lot easier, Fogel told her. That's just one of many bizarre things that he said to her. Here's, an, here's more, all right? Supposedly, there's so many recordings here. Supposedly, he said this, quote, I had a little boy. It was amazing. In response to a question about being with children, quote, it just felt so good. I mean, it felt, it felt so good. At one point, Fogel asked Herman Walrand whether he could film her children. This is the reporter that is posing as Fogel's friend. Jared Fogel asks this woman if he could film her children. Quote, are there any of your kids' friends that you think are pretty hot? He asks. What if we put a camera in your kid's room? Would they be okay with that? Holy shit. What an absolute creep oh it just makes my skin crawl uh there's other recordings that go on and on about him talking about this stuff so yeah tune into the dr phil show i know i'd never thought i'd say that but i guess if you want to hear that tune into dr phil i guess it'll be on today or you can just wait and i'm sure all of the clips and all of the audio will emerge all over the internet everywhere if it's not already so there's that but Incidentally, I did misspeak at the beginning of the segment. Apparently, uh, Fogel, he pled guilty to child porn charges in August, and he faces a minimum of five years in prison, not a maximum. Minimum of five years in prison. A sentencing is November 19th. So we'll find out exactly how that goes down here in a few weeks. Still, I am not a person that advocates the death penalty. I am... Really, I have softened up considerably on that over the last five or six years. It is one of the positions that I have definitely, I wouldn't say I've done a full 180 on it, but I have definitely come around quite a bit on the issue. I'm not really pro-death penalty necessarily. Uh, I can understand why people are, and I can understand why people want it, and I can understand why people want sometimes, you just want somebody to die, especially a confessed killer, blah, 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 but this is a situation where after you sentence Fogel, after the, the judge sentences him, I wouldn't shed a tear if the judge just reached down behind the bench, pulled out a three fifty seven, and wasted this dude. I wouldn't care one bit. In fact, I would probably applaud it. And I know that's barbaric, and I know that's horrible, and I would probably excoriate other countries for doing something like that, but I'm sorry. This is a guy that's into kids. You know, that's... It's a 
different level of gross and horrible. Killing someone, you could at least sometimes justify, hey, it was a crime of passion. I got really outraged. I, I had a road rage incident. It, it One thing led to another, and I wound up shooting him. You can make a case for, okay, well, you have to spend the rest of your life in jail. And I could sit there and be okay with that. This is really too much, man. I got creeped out at the Jerry Sandusky stuff. That was bad. But this is just, ugh. <laughs> God. All right. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> Where do you go from there? Okay, well, here's where you go. You go to another story that this is unrelated and yet we're on the sex theme. So here you go. Nearly seven in 10 people under age 50 across the entire world, more than 3.7 billion teens and adults are infected with the herpes simplex type 1 virus, which is a highly infectious and incurable disease. This is according to the World Health Organization. More than 1 billion people are infected with HSV-1 in the Western Pacific region, while Southeast Asia has nearly 1 billion cases, according to the World Health Organization's first global estimate published Wednesday in an article in the Journal of uh, PLOS One, PLOS One. Anyway, uh, more than 700 million people are infected in Africa, nearly 400 million in Europe, and 320 million in North and South America combined. Known as oral herpes and typically spread through kissing, oral sex, and the use of shared objects like eating utensils, HSV-1 typically causes cold sores around the mouth, but it can also cause genital herpes, which leads to painful blisters and ulcers in the anal and genital areas. Although most cases, I know this has really been a, a really uplifting and fun segment, right? Although most cases of genital herpes are caused by herpes simplex virus type 2, which is transmitted almost entirely through sexual activity, quote, we know that increasing HSV-1 is showing up in general uh, in genital infections, and that's sort of a trend that public health folks are watching, said Fred Wire, Wind who is the communication director of the American Sexual Health Organization in the Research Triangle Park, North Carolina. All right, so about 140 million people worldwide between ages 15 and 49 have an HSV-1 genital infection. Worldwide, some 417 million people aged 15 to 49 have the HSV-2 infection. That's genital herpes. So... A lot more people have HSV-1, the uh, the oral herpes. Uh, I have to say, man, that is just so, so creepy. I, I, um, I don't know, man. If you're out there, if you're one of those dudes, and I know guys that are like this, that are just out there, they're just banging everything like a storm shutter in a hurricane, and they're just going at it. And I got to tell you, man, I don't know. It's, it's gotten to the point where you've got to just be so careful. And uh, believe me. Uh, the temptation is out there, and but if you look around, if there's there's billions, seventy percent of teens and adults in the world have HSV one. 
Now, I understand that, yeah, you might think, oh, it's just, it's just Africa. No, it's not just Africa. It's all over the place. I mean, I just read the statistics. It is everywhere. There's 320 million people in this hemisphere, in the Western Hemisphere, have HSV-1. So think about that next time you want to have a long night of a makeout session with somebody. Man. All right, well, this has been a fun an uplifting and exciting segment, and I am really glad that I, I did it. Uh, I am. <laughs> this is like this is one of the weirdest segments ever. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna bail on it. I'm gonna get out of here for this segment. That's just creepy, wrong, weird. I probably should not have put the Jared Fogel and the herpes simplex story next to each other. Whatever. Hey, the more you know, right? All right, break time. We'll come back. We won't talk about politics, child porn, or sexually transmitted diseases, okay? We'll we'll try for something a little lighter. Maybe. That's all coming up when we come back. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Grob Show. You're listening to the Zip Code Famous Michael Grob Show. Available everywhere at michaelgroff.com. You said you'd die for me Woke up to reality And found the future not so bright well, I dreamt the impossible That maybe things could work out mention this story because I just saw this too while I was digging around. People are concerned now about all these drones everywhere because the availability of remote controlled drones it's literally very easy to get one. And more and more people are going to have them. Delivery company Amazon wants to use them to deliver packages. The average person wants them, and you have to be careful of them flying around in the sky, looking into your yard, looking into your house, because now there's a concern that people are going to attach cameras and use them to record you doing whatever in your house, including having sex. Which, of course, that's what people are going to use them for. What else would you use a drone with a camera on it for, if not just to spy on your neighbors? Why else would you use it? What are you going to do, bird watch with it? Going to record uh, the sunrise? Going to do some city scope, cityscapes with it? What are you going to do? No. You're going to look in on what your neighbors do. Oh, 
All right. Let's see what Angela's doing over there. All right. Okay. It's bath time. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Of course. Get ready, Pornhub. You're going to have a lot more videos showing up on the site real soon. A lot more POV videos. <laughs> All right. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. We're back. Groffshow, gmail.com. That's our email address. That's also the PayPal address for this program. Groff Show. That's G-R-O-F-F show at gmail.com for uh, donations via PayPal. All right. What else? Oh, yeah. Michael Groff on Twitter. MichaelGroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. If you want, you can always check it out because new shows are posted, blogs up there. Sometimes I write a full detailed blog. Sometimes after I do a show for hours, I just write a very a very scant summary, a very succinct summary of the program without going into a whole lot of detail because, you know, I want you to listen, not just read the blog. So uh, but that's at michaelgroff.com. Plus, you can click on the subscribe button, and that way, every time a brand new show is posted, you will get email notification saying, hey, we've posted a brand new podcast. Pretty sure that feature is working, and I'm going to continue to say that until I can 100% confirm that it is, in fact, working. So I don't know. We'll see. It does appear to be doing so. That is, of course, at the one and only michaelgroff.com. Uh, other strange thing that happened. Here you go. They take all of these earthquake measurements all over the world, of course, and one of the places where there's just a ton of these seismic stations is up in Alaska, obviously part of the Pacific Rim. There's a lot of earthquakes that go on in Alaska every day, uh, dozens of little tremors and whatnot. So one seismic station near Kultieth River Mountain in southeast Alaska was showing interesting activity just a few days ago. They had shaking that was shown to be going on in the graph for around eight minutes or so. And yet there was no earthquake. None of the other stations were registering anything. So they were wondering what the hell's going on over there. Well, it turns out that the likely culprit for the shaking after investigation, oh, after the eight minutes or so, the transmission from the station stopped. So they, they figured that what probably happened was a bear uh, went and chewed through the cables that go from the sensors back to the fiberglass hut that provides power to the station. And so that knocked out the power. But on the, on the graph, it's very interesting. If you've ever wondered what it looks like when a bear gets a hold of seismic cables, <laughs> I guess you'll see. So they, uh, they were a little worried about some type of activity. People were wondering what the hell was going on, but then they pretty much figured it out. Rather quickly. This is not the first time such an incident has happened. They say a goat chewed through the wires a year ago. And uh, a similar incident happened and the power was knocked out. They don't expect to be able to repair the station until sometime early next year. I don't know. It seemed kind of interesting to me. Anything to get away from the child porn and the uh, HSV story from the last segment. I would have talked about just about anything. I would have gone into a whole tirade about Star Wars or I would have discussed literally anything else. 
Uh, there's so many stories here. Every day, we needed to start doing a segment, or at least a, a portion of a segment, about the who cares stories of the day or something like that. Stuff that I don't find interesting, but yet it makes the rounds all over the news sites. Like all these entertainment stories and all this other stuff. Maybe we ought to do that as a segment. Because I'm sure there are, there are obviously stories that you guys probably care about that I couldn't care less about. There's stuff that I probably talk about that you guys aren't all that interested in, though I try to have a good gauge for it. But sometimes listeners send in stories, and a lot of them are very interesting, and we wind up talking about them, or we have talked about them at some point. But every once in a while, there's just stuff that I come across that's just a real clunker, too. I don't know. It's hard to say. If you have something you want to send in and you want us to talk about, that's always a good idea. So I'm always looking for uh, interesting stuff, new stuff. We talk about all sorts of things on this show. That's the thing people always ask, too. What do you talk about on that show? And it's just a hodgepodge. We literally talk about anything and everything on this show and have done so over the years forever. And with that in mind, I want to do something a little bit different here. Something uh, a little bit out of the ordinary. Something we do on this show from time to time, but a slightly different spin on it, folks. Here we go. Oftentimes on this show, we take a look at the top 10 songs on the pop chart. Just to check in and see what's happening over there. But this time, instead of doing the top 10 songs on the pop chart, we're going to take a look at some of the number one songs across various genres. That way we can see if music is just bad across all genres or maybe it's just the pop chart that's terrible. So, for example, let's, uh, all right, let's get into this. First of all, let's take a look. This is the number one song in adult contemporary right now. So adult contemporary is like sort of the slower, uh, more adult, uh, usually 25 to 54 female demographic. This is what is number one in that genre. This is my fight song. Take back my life song. Fight song. Rachel Platt. one of those songs for the middle-aged women out there. I'm going to take back my life. Those soccer moms that are, the kids are getting a little older. 45, 50, 55. I'm taking back my life. I'm going to show Jenny at the office that I still got it, man. Like a small boat (laughs) on the ocean. This is the kind of this, these are the kind of songs that make number one on the uh, adult contemporary chart stuff that's you know for those late forties fifty somethings you know the inspiration I'm taking it all back I I'm going for it girl okay I can make an explosion this is my fight song take back my Number one in rock right now. 
is Breaking Benjamin with Angels Fall. This is number one in mainstream rock. This should actually be good. Breaking Benjamin's a good band. It's real dude music. I like it. Benjamin's a pretty good band. I'd go see them in concert. Alright, number one in adult R&B. Whatever the hell that is. It is something... Oh, it's Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson's still making music. I want to hear this. This is No Sleep, the current number one song in R&B. Yeah. Yeah. This is the kind of music you put on when you're going to get it on, I guess. sounds like Michael Jackson about now. This is not... How old is Janet Jackson? She's got to be pushing about what? Close to 55-ish? Number one in dance, the dance club singles chart is something called The Other Boys by Nervo, Kylie Minogue, Jake, Jake Shears, Nile Rodgers, about, about 75 different artists combined for the number one dance club song. So if you're out of clubs, I haven't been to a club in about five years, but apparently... This would be number one right now. It probably does this for a half an hour. There's so much heartache in the world today. 
there's Kylie. I root for Kylie Minogue. I actually do. She had breast cancer. I feel bad for her. So I'm sort of a secret fan. Not so secret. I just revealed it on the radio, but... All right, here we go. Let's try a real change of pace. Number one on the Christian chart. This is Skillet with Monster. This is Christian, apparently. All right. Isn't Skillet Canadian? Sodomy? Cage, but I can't control it. So stay away from me. The beast is ugly. I feel the rage and I just can't hold it. It's scratching Did he say sodomy in that song? It, in the holes. it comes away again. I can't control it. Hiding under the bed. In my body and my head. Why won't somebody come and save me from this? Make it in. I feel it deeper than it's just been. I don't know. It's Christian. It's it's rock, but it's Christian. Alright. Number one on the blues album chart right now. I don't think we've ever done this this uh chart on the show. Gary Clark Jr. The Healing is the number one album. Here's the title track from that. Let's see what this is all about. And I'm on the battlefield. Lord, I'm a hard fighting soldier. And I'm on the battlefield. Wow. I'm a hard fighting soldier. And I'm on the battlefield. I'll keep bringing some But blues has really gone down the tubes, huh? The service, the service. The service. Did I pray? The service is the heart. Yeah. 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 Jazz. This this could be dangerous. Let's go to the jazz albums. I can't get the. Uh, hold on. I can't get the jazz album to come up. So. Here we go. Smooth jazz singles. Here we go. The number one smooth jazz song. This music is my um, I don't know. This isn't very responsive today. All right, number one in smooth jazz this week. 
is something called Vinyl by Boney Jones. I'm sorry, Boney James. I'm just going through some of the uh, top, the number one songs in various genres. music you put on when you're making out. Hopefully not with someone that has HSV1. Oh yeah. We gonna get it on tonight, baby. Yeah. chance of funk, baby. Chilling out. song in the UK. Let's see what this is. Hopefully it works. Not a surprise, the number one song in the UK right now. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually more interested in just listening to this uh, some of this music for a while because I just saw what was number one in the UK and I'd rather hear the smooth jazz Boney James vinyl alright fine number one in the UK right now One Direction with Perfect of course One Direction's number one in the UK I might never be night and shot an armor I might never be the one you take home to mother And I might never be the one who brings you flowers But I can't be the one, be the one tonight When I first saw you from across the room I could tell that you were curious Oh yeah, girl I hope you're sure what you're looking for I really like the fact that all of their music sounds so different. Like each song is, it's just something that 
sounds completely unique and diverse from one another. Meanwhile, number one in Canada this week. Another surprise, Justin Bieber with What Do You Mean? What do you mean? Yeah. All right. So it's good to know that it's not just the U.S. that has terrible taste in music. Number one in Germany right now is apparently something I can't play. It's not available in the United States. Oh, that's good. But it's something called Gellis Lieben. So there you go. That's uh, the number one song in Germany. Too bad you can't hear it. I'm sure it says a bunch of stuff in German. Auf Deutsch. And that's really exciting. So there you go. Some of the number one songs from the various genres, folks. Uh, this has been this is a little different than the pop chart, anyway. I don't know. I'm kind of into it. Can we just go back and listen to some more? We should just do the top ten smooth jazz songs. Yeah, we just listen to some of that smooth jazz over and over again, baby, all day, every day. I'd be fine with that. Uh, here's. Here's something. So this is apparently... All right. Here is the number one song that people look up the lyrics to. These are the, This is the number one song the, currently for the week that the most people have looked up the lyrics to. So this must mean that the lyrics in this song are obviously very good because if people are looking up the lyrics, it must mean that it's a, a deep lyrical piece. It is Adele with Hello. I haven't heard this yet, so let's see. Maybe this is good. This, by the way, is also the number one song in France this week. Seriously. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to me to go over everything. They say the time's supposed to heal you, but I ain't done much healing. Hello, can you hear me? All right. I'm in California dreaming about who we used to be when we were younger and free. I forgot and Let's see the number one song on YouTube. Is Justin Bieber, what do you mean? Here, let's look at the... Let's look at the top five songs on YouTube this week. These are the five, obviously the five most viewed songs over there. Alright. I'm sorry that this is taking a while because uh, everything over here works very, very slow. Alright. Number five on YouTube is Worth It. 
Fifth Harmony and Kid Ink. Give it to me, I'm worth it. This okay. this might actually be a worse idea than the pop chart now that I'm going through all these. This is seriously what uh, people are listening to on YouTube. Alright, number four. Just give me you, just give me you. See you again, Wiz Khalifa. It's been a long day without you, my friend And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again We've come a long way from where we began Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again Hello by Adele is number three on YouTube Number two is Lean On Major Laser Mode DJ Snake. Do you recall not long ago we would walk on the sidewalk? Number one on YouTube, What Do You Mean by Justin Bieber? All we did was care for each other, but the night was warm, we were bold and young. Let's see if there is any other genres that anyone might be interested in. Let's see. Bluegrass, we have There's rap I don't care about that There's folk on the country chart. Gosh. How could I have ignored the country chart? I'm sure I'm sure country music's going very well right now. Let's see. Number 1. Strip it down. This is a uh, Luke Bryan. So far, our country music song with T-shirt in it. Baby, we'll remember what to do to drown out every distraction. It's time we just need a truck. Reference to alcohol. Back road. Boots by your little bear. All right, cowboy boots. Tell me right now, everything I need in the white cotton sheets. Dirty dance me slow in the summertime. Feel my belt turn loose from these old blue jeans. Blue jeans. Oh, no, it's 
like everyone of these songs on the country charts is always just a parody of itself. It's always just so cliche. Are, are people that listen to country music this stupid that they have to hear references to blue jeans, cowboy boots, trucks, cows, skirts, chicks, and failed sexual references in every single one of their songs? Everyone sounds like just another Toby Keith song. Yeah. I sure do like that song a lot, though. I hear music like this, and I'm just... It's hard to imagine I live in the same... The same time period... That this kind of music is still popular in some circles. Strip it down, down, down. All right, well, there you go. Those are some of the top songs across various genres. Did I even mention what number one in pop was? Let me see. I think I did say that Justin Bieber was top, right? Was just, hold on, let me look. Let me make sure. No, not tonight. The top song actually is not Justin Bieber. The Hills with, uh, or The Weeknd with The Hills. That's the number one pop song right now. And it won't play, so I don't know. This is why we need new equipment. Show at gmail.com. That's our PayPal address. Some of this stuff just doesn't want to play today. It's because I have to go fetch the files off of the server here. the number one song on the pop chart right now. That's enough of that. All right, folks. Uh, well, there you go. Those are some of the top songs across various genres. And maybe we'll do that again sometime. Maybe not. All right. I don't know. Some of those songs, I'd rather just talk about Jared Fogel and going after kids than listen to that music. <laughs> I'd rather talk about disgusting, horrible acts by other human beings. Can we go back to the smooth jazz music? I was actually digging that. Hell, even the Janet Jackson song wasn't bad. I was okay with that. I was all right with um, hell compared to the uh, the UK, the One Direction and Justin Bieber. I was even okay with the country crap. At least I can laugh at it. All right, that's it. We will uh, see you next time. Another riveting edition of this program. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is our email address. It is groffshow at gmail.com. You can always send emails 
with your questions, comments, concerns, whatever. Michael Groff on Twitter. Send me a tweet. Forward uh, my tweets. Pay attention to them because I, I hardly ever tweet. So I did during last night's debate. And I always post when new shows are up on Twitter. Also, michaelgroff.com. Speaking of posting new shows, that's where all the new shows appear. The one and only michaelgroff.com where you can go there. You can subscribe. So every time we post a brand new episode of this show, you will get the email notifications. Also, you know, that's where you can listen to old shows. You can check it out. Lots of fun. Lots of excitement. The one and only michaelgroff.com. Thank you so much for listening. Really, really do appreciate it. And we will see you next time. Have a great night, everybody.